I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. 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 Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And I'm Tom. Definitely can't hit a cue to save his life. Bionic. Ah, uh, that's okay. Yep. You know, people get what they pay for with Future Quake. You know? <laughs> it's great to have you all back again. Welcome back to the Future Quake Coffee House, as some of our Futurians have explained it here. So get coffee your cup house. of coffee. Yeah, they, they say it's just like joining their friends at a coffee house when they really? listen to the quake. In fact, you're partaking of a little uh, tea here from the... Uh, Cafeteria at Future Quake. Mm, yep. Cafeteria B is better mm. than Cafeteria A or C. Pyro put extra effort in preparing that tea for you. Mm-hmm. No ayahuasca this time, though, I hope, was it? No, no. <laughs> well, not too. it's good to be back. A lot of stuff's going on. Uh, both of your hosts here are a little, little harried from just activities and things going on. Only mm-hmm. some of the things of which we can talk about. But um, before we get into our... Uh, very interesting news we've got tonight. Can I make uh, some announcements? A, you've pl- got a, a you've plethora. You've got a passel of them, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, first, to remind you all, uh, at the time that we're posting this show, it will only be one or two days until the actual NR- NRB prayer time that you and I will be having. Uh, mm-hmm. Right there in the parking lot of Opry Mills. Um, it's going to be a party. Yep, out in we've front got a big of... Inflatable thing and the ball machine. Well, there's nothing inflatable. There's a there's a little flagpole we have okay, on the yeah, Future Quake right. flag. It's just going to be us and a couple other folks. Yeah. But um, Future Mobile will be out there, but if you can make it out in Nashville area to the Opry Mills parking lot right out in front of where the cinema is toward Opry uh, Land Hotel. Mm-hmm. In fact, we'll be close right to the edge of the Opry Land Hotel. There's a little row of trees separating us, but mm-hmm. uh, the Future, future Mobile will be out there. We'll mm-hmm. have a little flag up with the Future Quake flag so you can find us. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's like when we were there before, there probably won't be a soul out there, except for a couple of us. We'll have some of your other friends, hopefully, that will be joining us, mm-hmm. people you know. Uh, we'd like for you to join us as we uh, recite a prayer we've prepared uh, on behalf of our Christian leadership and media representatives that will be meeting there at the NRB, the National Religious Broadcasters Convention. And uh, if you cannot be there with us, we would certainly love if you would download that prayer from the front of futurequake.com and uh, recite it then yourself, wherever you are, and uh, or whenever you feel like it. Just we'll, don't pray against us. We'll, please don't pray against us. Uh, we'll be doing this at 5 o'clock Central Time this Saturday. Mm-hmm. So you won't have to keep hearing about this, ladies and gentlemen. This will be it. This, this is definitely my first time ever doing anything remotely like this. What about you, Tom? Um... No. Yeah. Although it's the first time a flag's been involved. So the first time a flag. Okay. Actually, I take that back. I'm okay. wrong. Oh. Well, uh, anyway, we don't know what to expect. Um, if somehow unexpectedly something's been cordoned off or we can't get to where we announce right there at the front of futurequake.com, uh, there is a Shoney's restaurant just outside the entrance to Opry Mills and uh, Opryland area. And uh, right there at the corner of uh, Browley Parkway, uh, where you get off for, for Opryland. Uh, we'll be meeting in there. Uh, we plan to meet there anyway as soon as we're done with the prayer. There'll probably be sometime around 6 o'clock to go over there for some fellowship and food. we got a room there uh, organized and arranged. Uh, but if we get booted out earlier, we'll just go over there and finish our prayer there. I'm just going to rock. Uh, I don't know, Tom, about your schedule, but either you and I together or I need to run over there probably in the next few days and make sure everything's still 
as we saw it. Yeah, it's been about it a month. Yeah, it hasn't like fallen we, in or. Yeah. Well, make sure we can still get to the same same flag for the same uh, light pole mm-hmm. uh, that's listed on the front of futurequake.com, uh, and we'll make sure that all of our arrangements are still valid. Other than that, I think everything's all systems go. Word. Uh, for it. A um, couple things to mention to you all. Um, if you cannot be there, but you would like to hear it real time, uh, we're going to try to record it for YouTube for, for posterity's sake uh, and uh, try to get that on camera. But if um, if you'd like to hear it real time and join with your fellow believers, uh, one of the shows on the Revelations Radio Network called the Mike and Tim Show, uh, I know many of you all probably listened to it already, mm-hmm. uh, they have volunteered to do a special version of their show live during that time uh, on uh, TalkShoe.com. That's T-A-L-K-Shoe-S-H-O-E.com. And uh, if you put in the Mike and Tim show in there, in the uh, search, you'll find it. And they're going to be simulcasting live at 5 o'clock Central Time on Saturday the 26th, where you can listen in. Uh, We'll probably have a few words to say there, too. Most of it will be them actually just covering the audio as we're reciting our prayer, but I'm sure we'll have a few words before or after. And uh, um, I'm never at a loss for words. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll probably be providing expert commentary during yep. that. But we'd love to have you join us. And even before then, uh, tomorrow night, or actually Wednesday at 9 o'clock, uh, if you catch this in time, uh, we will act- I will actually be on their show, their regular show, mm-hmm. talking about this as well, what, too. What time is that? Uh, well, their show goes from 8 to 10 Central Time, and I'll mm-hmm. probably be getting in right after I leave seeing you at church, mm-hmm. from prayer meeting at church, I'll head over there. So... Uh, and in general, i just give you a, a general idea on these things. I'm sure you can't remember everything, particularly if you're riding in a car. Check periodically to the front of futurequake.com, maybe once a week or ever, ever twice a week or something, because we put all this stuff up there where you can actually download it and get uh, the details right. So please check that out. Uh, a couple more thanks related to this. I want to thank Jeff Fenton, who was on our show not long ago. He runs NashvilleChristian.com mm-hmm. website. Uh, he ran an announcement about this, too. So Sweetness. We might have some surprise people coming. Yeah. Who knows? Cops. Right. Well, could be. Uh, FEMA. Or, yeah. Uh, but anyway, I want to thank Jeff, Brother Jeff, for doing that and taking the time to do that. And and somebody else I'm belated to, to thank, and that is our friend Vaughn, who listens to our show. A lot of people know know him out there, the graphic artist. Um, I think I mentioned when we first got the two books set out that he helped get the uh, the artwork that we supplied, get mm-hmm. it all sort of arranged. It was really to our, cool, by the you know, way. To our we got to get some T-shirts. Desire. Like yeah, yeah, we need to get that going. Uh, hopefully the people who've gotten the books like it. Uh, you can see what it looks like on the front of futureweight.com, but our two book set. I just want to thank Vaughn again out there. Mm-hmm. And if you go to vonster.com, B-O-N-S-T-E-R.com, you can see a lot of his graphic work. If you have a business or if you need a graphic for an organization or logo, I think logos are his forte. And uh, But unlike us, he's a real professional. He knows yeah. what he's doing. So, Well, uh, I'd also uh, like to thank somebody else we've not uh, mentioned before. And this is Brother Charles, who listens to our show. Uh, he volunteered just in the last week or so oh, yeah. to take our shows and to begin uploading them on YouTube mm-hmm. and setting up a YouTube channel. Uh, I know a few of you all out there, a few brave souls have taken a few isolated shows or pieces mm-hmm. and put them, them out of and context. And no, <laughs> no, no. But they've gotten a lot of response from people. Yeah. And um, so, anyway, uh, I just want to thank Brother Charles for doing that. And check, uh, if you do a little search on Future Quake there on YouTube, I would say probably pretty soon in the next few weeks, you'll start gradually seeing some of those shows pop up on that channel. And uh, so that'll be another way. Hopefully we can reach out to the community and... 
you know, get mm-hmm. some people riled up, uh, hopefully. Yeah. And uh, last couple of things. Thanks for your patience with all this. Um, uh, as uh, as our friend Andrew had, had sort of suggested about us acknowledging people who have uh, helped us this past week, uh, I want to thank uh, uh, Kathy in Illinois and also um, I believe it's Posse in Finland who both ordered the two book sets this week. Sweetness. So I want to thank both of you all for doing that. And we had two people that were generous enough to donate for us. I want to thank Sister Ruth in Iowa mm-hmm. and Brother Gareth, which I'm not quite sure where he hails from. But uh, both both Sister Ruth and Brother Gareth, I appreciate so much your yeah, generous contributions. Sweetness. And we love you all and appreciate you. We appreciate you no matter what, all you all out there. But yeah. we just thank you for that. And uh, last two things to mention. Um I also put something on the front of futurequay.com. If you would like to join, Brother Tom and I assume you're going to this. Maybe you can clarify. There is a class that's going to be held actually where we worship. Yeah, man. At uh, Calvary Chapel Rivergate uh, up uh, off exit 97 off I-65. Um, we, there's a class called Bridges, and it's about Christians reaching out to Muslims and being able to understand them better, where they're coming from, their views. Mm-hmm. Finding a way how to build bridges to be able to share in fact, in fact, and share can, what you've got to give them. The good in news. In fact, I can one up us here a little yeah. bit. Um, not only are I mean we're both going, I assume, right? Yeah. Now you going to the Wednesday night class or the Sunday class? I think I'm going to go to the Wednesday. Yeah. I might go to both. I don't know. Okay. I'm not okay. really. I'm going to the Wednesday class, which is ever, going to be every Wednesday at seven o'clock. Mm-hmm. I believe it starts March second. So mm, yeah. that would be next this upcoming mm-hmm. Wednesday yeah. night. Uh, I also found out that it's very good possible. Possibility that one of our uh, guests that we've had on Futurequake will be in attendance. Really? Okay. Possibility. So people could see an all-star kind of cast while they're there learning alongside us. Yes. Uh, we're very proud of our church for being willing to take a step out of leadership in the community in mm-hmm. this area to uh, to try to represent Christ mm-hmm. to a group of people who deserve to be introduced to Christ. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would love for you to join us. The directions, uh, the picture of our church is right on the front of our website at futurequake.com. If you click on it, you can go to their website. It will show directions and everything. Mm-hmm. But it's Wednesday at 7. If you cannot make that, there's also a class that's Sunday, I believe, at 845 a.m. Mm-hmm. And it starts the following Sunday, the yeah. 6th. And there are two independent classes covering the same material. There is a workbook that I believe it's like 6, six bucks. bucks. Yeah, they got a little discount on it. Um, but it's like first class material. They've got uh, mm-hmm. a DVD workbook. It's really meant to really help us be comfortable, to know enough to be comfortable to be able to carry a dialogue. I'll and tell you, that's a, tough, that's a tough one for me because whenever I enter into a evangelistic mode, I end up I end up wanting to win the debate. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that's not yeah. always right. Well, you know, that's that's a good. Point. I do a great that's job natural. of it, man. I'm just like yeah. steamroller. Here it comes. Mm-hmm. Win the battle, lose the war. You know, that's when you back up, that sound. Um, but uh, uh, please join us. Mm-hmm. We would love to have you there and uh, be a great way for us to learn together side by side. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe we can bear some fruit for the Lord through that. Yeah, so last thing, just to mention again, if you've not signed up for the Politics of Religion Conference it's gonna be in awesome. Fort Wayne, April 1st and 2nd, couldn't be a more timely conference. And the material, I doubt, has been presented anything remotely like it at any other Christian conference. Yeah. This in is fact, I don't think it'd be welcome at any other Christian conference, no. to be honest with you. Let's talk about Operation Gladio for, you know, 40 minutes. 
The or, answer would be no. Right, right. Yeah, I can't think of any. In fact, I've got some examples of material here that uh, they would rent their clothes and throw them themselves upon us if we started talking about the material of that. So, mm-hmm. anyway, speaking of that, I think that's our announcements. Remember, thepoliticsofreligion.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, go there to check it out. And uh, would you like to begin with some stories, or do you want me to? Oh, um... Well, I'll go. I'll okay. go this time. Um, <clears throat> this is from uh, arstechnica.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, the name of the story, this is actually part of an ongoing uh, ongoing uh, thing that they've been writing about. And the latest, the latest one here is Black Ops, how H.B. Gary wrote backdoors for the government. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Um, in November, on November 16th, 2009, Gary Hogland a co-founder of computer security firm H.B. Gary sent an email to two colleagues. The message came with an attachment, a Microsoft Word file called al-Qaeda.doc, which had been further compressed and password-protected for safety. Its contents were very dangerous. I got this Word doc linked off a dangler site for al-Qaeda peeps, wrote Hogland. I think it has a U.S. Gavi payload, which I don't know what that is, buried inside. Would be neat to analyze it and see what it's about. Don't open it unless in a virtual machine, obviously. Don't let it phone home unless you want black suits landing on your front acre. Uh, The attached document, which is in English, begins Lesson 16, Assassinations Using Poisons and Cold Steel. Um, It purports to be an Al-Qaeda document on dispatching one's enemies with knives, with ropes, with blunt objects, and with hands. But the poison recipes for ricin and other assorted horrific bioweapons are the main draw. (laughs) One purposefully made from a specific combination of spoiled foods requires about two spoonfuls of, uh, well, we won't go there. The document praises the effectiveness of the resulting poison, um, saying during the time of the destroyer, uh, Hamul Abdul Nasser, someone who was being severely tortured in prison, though he had no connection with Islam, ate some feces after losing sanity with the severity of the torture. A few hours after he ate, he was found dead. According to Hoglin, the recipes came with a side dish, a specially crafted piece of malware meant to infect Al-Qaeda computers. Uh, so is the U.S. government in the position of deploying hackers' darkest tools? Uh, uh, of course it is, and Hoglin was well positioned to know just how common the practice had become. Indeed, he and his company helped to develop these electronic weapons. Um, so here it is, you know, I guess it's no surprise. Yeah, interpret for us. Okay. Uh, what has gone on is the security, uh, whatever security agency that the United States has contacted, H.B. Gary, uh, has contacted them and said, we want to build a, we want to put real documents, you know, on how to make poisons Mm -hmm. and how to kill people silently and all that stuff and embed it with... Um, w- with a thing that will phone home uh, and and show us the the person the document location of who's done this. Now uh, that's all well and good, but you know I know how to do this. I know how to unlock this document without having mm-hmm. to call home. So who mm-hmm. else does? Yeah, you know. Um, now they're going to come track you because you did that. Yeah, that's that's sort of the point. Well, I wish you'd done that while you're not here at the studio. I don't want to be picked up. No, don't worry. I did it on your computer. Yeah, I'll be some rendition guy in an <laughs> unknown country, and I had nothing to do with what you did. Yeah, uh, well. Thanks. I, I'm here for you. Yeah. Actually, so are the FEMA trucks. <laughs> Thank you. Uh-huh. Um, 
Uh, anyway, the I, you know, we could go on and it gets much weirder. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the overall point is like, well, here they are, just they're coming right out for it. They're taking taking malware, putting it out there on the internet to clandestinely infect other people's computers. And since we've already seen that, they're more than happy to like build a terrorist weapon, a, you mm-hmm. know, weapon or you know something to use against terrorists, and then go, oh, we decided not to deploy it against the terrorists. We're going to use it on our own people. Um, like, what's the, you know? Yeah. There you have it. Well, wow. um, wow. okay. By the way, I forgot to mention to you that this is officially our 250th weekly show. Whoa! 250, yep. I can't believe you let me into your house 250 times. Well, I haven't that many, but, you know, it wasn't that long ago we had our 100th show. Remember the big party we had there in the studio, WRFN? Mm-hmm. That was like almost a last hurrah, WRFN, for yep. us. That was a that was actually that was a hooray and a goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, our post WRFN time has now uh, eclipsed our uh, by by some amount our, our earlier time there. And I want to thank you all for sticking with us, particularly those of y'all who've been here for most of that six years, as we're getting ready in just a few weeks to begin our our uh, seventh year of Future Quake, which be toward the end of the Great Tribulation period for our listeners uh, as they continue that. Great. Would you like me to dive into something? Uh, Jump. Missy. Well, as I told you before we started the show, I wanted to try to collect a lot of very brief shows. In fact, mm-hmm. I edited down the content of a lot of them, mm-hmm. so it was like sort of rapid fire for this Internet generation, you know, that has short attention spans, mm-hmm. you know. I'm sure our listeners would appreciate that. Well, one of the stories I got was sort of interesting to me, and it kept me going deeper and deeper, and so I'm going to violate that rule for this one story, if you don't mind. So <laughs> I'm trying to be quick, it except may, for this one. It may have parts I, J, K, you know. So yeah. anyway, just tell me when to knock it off. Okay, here's the beginning of it. Okay, we don't need that. <laughs> you sound like the other co-host. Uh, this story, uh, actually kicking us off, uh, just to kick off this topic, is from Right Wing Watch. Uh, it says, Dobson and Boykin expose the Muslim conspiracy to take over the world. Says, oh boy, are you gonna are you gonna tip your hand on Boykin or not? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the other day we noted how Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin has become the right wing's expert of choice on all things Islam, despite the fact that he believes that there's a plot underway by President Obama to take over America by creating an army of brown shirts loyal only to him via passage of health care reform. So I guess it's no surprise that Boykin would show up on James Dobson's radio program today to give his expert opinion on the threat of Islamic terrorism, uh, where he asserted that Islam is not a religion and does not deserve First Amendment protections, and that the Muslim Brotherhood is currently entering uh, Phase 4 of a five-phase plan to take over America. Okay, here's Boykin, his quote from the show. Great. This is on Dobson. I'm sure this will be awesome. Islam is not a religion. Islam is a totalitarian way of life, and it starts with a legal system called Sharia law. It is then a financial system. It is a military system. It is a government system. I mean, it's a geopolitical system, and it is uh, hard for us to deal with. The fact that Islam is not a religion and does not deserve First Amendment protections. Okay. Uh, That's insane. That's totally crazy. That's completely out of your mind, nutty, wacko. Yeah. Well, do communists like do they get First Amendment protections or no? You mean to speak? Yeah. They're, yeah. Do they get do they get the protection of the First Amendment? Well, since they're not a religion, they wouldn't. 
And basically a, a religion a right is whatever General Boykin decides it is. Yeah. Well, that's so who I want deciding religions he is a decides military it. man. He may decide later like, well, that I'm not going to give away the Baptists are not a religion, yeah. therefore they they found a loophole in the <laughs> Constitution. In 2004 in Annandale, Virginia, we discovered a now this is him continuing continuing Boykin. We discovered a false basement in a man's home there. It turns out he was the operations officer for the Muslim Brotherhood in America. They went through all of the things in this false basement, and they discovered a five-phase plan to take over America. As you look at the plan, and it's on the web, you'll see that they are in the latter stages of phase three and are moving into phase four very quickly. And they've done this just since the early 60s when they came to this country, and it's difficult for Americans, for Westerners as a whole, to understand that Islam is not a religion. That's his third time to say that. Mm-hmm. Okay. He says, The Muslim Brotherhood was started in 1928 in Cairo. They didn't do it very well in the first decade. They only had about 800 members. But then along came a guy named Adolf Hitler, and Adolf Hitler began to fund the Muslim Brotherhood. That's when he made the arrangements with the Mufti in Jerusalem, and that's why during World War II, the Jews couldn't return to that area because Hitler was funding the Muslim Brotherhood to keep the Jews from coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dobson says, So it's rooted in hatred for the Jews and for Israel, and we have now our president and his administration dealing with, in some ways, surreptitiously with the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt, and that works counter to our interest in Israel. Uh, Boykin says, that's right. And when you say you're going to deal with the Muslim Brotherhood, you're saying, I'm not going to deal, I'm going to deal with Al-Qaeda if you do that. I'm going to deal with Hamas. These are spin-off terrorist organizations that are part of Muslim Brotherhood. Now, I think as we look at the situation in Egypt today, we need to recognize that the Muslim Brotherhood is very much at the root of the thing. So crazy. That's his, you know. But that's how it goes. When he was talking about the origins of Muslim Brotherhood, he didn't happen to mention how Western intelligence had actually was, um, helped jumpstart in that direction. Which, in fact, one of them, the CIA, that he worked for. Yep. Here, um, I'll time. actually give everybody the uh, uh, a link to an actual scholar, uh, an actual writer who's who said that in paper. Yeah. Uh, uh, with footnotes and stuff, how the United States helped fund, helped unleash fundamentalist Islam. Uh, by Robert Dreyfus. Okay. It's uh, uh, he's pretty he's pretty left, but uh, yeah. He also you know does the, things the like the question is whether the information is real or not. Yeah. Well, that's and at at the end of the day, you know, it's like yeah, it's like people who scream about watching I don't know Al Jazeera or something. Well, it's what, it's, the, the it, point the is, is that the true information true. is true. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, well, here's a follow-up related to this, okay? Mm-hmm. Boykin terrifies Dobson with dire warnings of America's pending Islamification. Now, I just got this here in the last week. This is all mm-hmm. just recent. It says, yesterday, James Dobson hosted Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin to explain to his audience how the Muslim Brotherhood is entering Phase 4. Okay? Um, yeah, he says, I cannot begin to adequately capture the utter terror and paranoia that drove this second episode. I guess it's a follow-on to this other one. Mm-hmm. As Dobson and his co-host grew and increasingly alarmed, as Boykin informed them of America's impending doom, claim it's the U.S. does not want to try those responsible for 911 because we are intimidated by the Muslim world and that they, uh. the day is fast approaching <laughs> where his granddaughters will be forced to wear burqas. Okay, Boykin says, you know, it's interesting to me that two of the groups that have not said anything to this, in fact, have been kind of been on the other side of this, have been women's groups and homosexual groups. Both of those groups are discriminated against very heavily. So if there was total Sharia law in this country, that by Sharia law, homosexuals would be killed and all the women uh, would be wearing burqas and hijabs and would be subjugated to the authority of men. But these two groups have not come out and said anything. 
And uh, one of the people there, Luann, says, they've been silent. Mm. And he says, Boykin says, we are at war. And I think that until Americans are willing to find out that what Islam is, and to find out the truth about the, what the Muslim brothers, Brotherhood is doing in our country, we're going to continue to live in darkness. And James Dobson says, are there activist judges that are taking us in that direction? Boykin says, absolutely. And you know I have great respect for the governor of New Jersey. But he just appointed a judge, a Muslim judge, to one of the courts up there in New Jersey who has been known to be associated with operatives from Hamas. Dobson says, this is Christie, Governor Christie? And Boykin says, yes. This And this kind of thing reflects, I don't think, an effort on his part to, of implementing Sharia law. I think it's this whole concept of trying to appease the people that, in fact, are our enemies. I assume this guy's a citizen that he applied, put in this position, right? Well... One would the think so. The constituents of New Jersey I mean, that he would be trying to appease. Well, yeah, I but I mean, that's be. all out the window when you have people working 20 hours a day to make scimitars secretly yeah. in their basement. Yeah, that's I wonder true. how much of that stuff was marked CIA. I don't know. Dobson says, General, I want to ask this question of somebody for a long time. I'm sure it has a good answer, but I've never heard it. 911 occurred 10 years ago, and the people who are responsible for that horrible day of bombing have still not stood trial. Ten years. It's one thing for them to have been convicted and put in prison for ten years. They haven't even been brought to trial, and I don't understand why. Can you explain that? They're dead. Now, you would think he would be saying that because they haven't had a chance of justice to have their day in court. That's not That's not what they care about. Yeah. They want to see gallows and see people swinging yeah. from them. Okay, Boykin says, no, sadly I can't because I think that whole thing is a political issue. I think this really? is my personal view. But I think neither the previous administration nor this administration is willing to take them to trial because I think they fear their outrage from the Islamic world because there's so much support around the world for what those people did. Really? So they're like blowing up, they're blowing up like weddings and stuff clandestinely with, with well, uh, you know, United own, States missiles, but they're, they, you know, convicting own, people for... Their own government documents, the internal government documents, says they didn't bring them to trial because they tortured them and they're... Confessions were extracted by torture, and yep. they know that will not hold up in a court of law. So the government has already answered their question that they're banting about. Mm-hmm. Okay, he says, Dobson says, well, that's appeasement again. We're intimidated. Boykin says, we are intimidated. Now, let me say I have six grandchildren, and three of them are females. And I must tell you, I am greatly concerned about the day coming when they will be wearing burkas. That's how serious I consider this threat. Are you serious? Dobson says, that's not just extreme. Boykin says, I am very serious. And the only hope for avoiding this catastrophe, of course, is to vote for the candidates who truly recognize the peril that America's facing. Which is really where they were going. That was all basically a yeah, headline for a commercial yeah. uh, for that. But having said that, one of the reasons why simultaneously I thought this story, because, you know, we hear these things occasionally, is I had something in my spam basket this week. Then I don't know how I got it. But it was something, and there was a conservative action alert, okay? It just so happened I had this thing called a special message from General Boykin. And it has his picture there in front of the American flag with his military uniform. Lieutenant General retired uh, William Jerry Boykin says, I urge you to read every word of this extremely important email from the Knights, is it Hospitallers? I don't know how you say it. Hospitaliers. Hospitaliers of St. John of Jerusalem, okay? And this is... Uh, it turns out it is something that they're doing to collect chocolate, like hot chocolate and candy to send troops overseas, okay? 
uh, and it has below his little letter there, a sign that says, Lieutenant General William G. Boykin was one of the original members of the U.S. Army Delta Force. He was privileged to ultimately command these elite warriors in combat operations. Later, Jerry Boykin commanded all the Army's Green Berets, as well as the Special Warfare Center and School. Okay, so he's been Delta Force guy. Um, in 36 years in the Army, General Boykin also participated in clandestine operations around the world and served his last four years in the Army as Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence. Mm-hmm. So clandestine work, intelligence, uh, Delta Force. Okay. Um, now, below this, he has the special message he's brought along with the big Maltese cross logo yeah. from the... Uh, uh, from from these particular uh, Knights of Malta, okay, and that's what he is representing here. And then at the end of this thing, saying give donations to the to the Knights of Malta. In fact, it's signed by Nicholas Papensikalau, Grand Master, the Knights Hospitaliers of the Sovereign Order of Saint John of Jerusalem, Knights of Malta, Ecumenical Order, Grand Priory of Florida. And then below that it says, Knights Hospitaliers of the Sovereign Order of St. John of Jerusalem, Knights of Malta, is helping to make this program possible in association with General Boykin, who is a knight himself. Great. So, General Boykin is a Knight of Malta person, and probably most of our listeners know all about that and know what that is, okay? And they understand that. Um we talked about, but I'm going to refer a little bit of it, if you don't mind. Okay. General Boykin came up when we had a show talking about what the three monotheistic religions were planning to do to bring Armageddon. And we had a gentleman who's not a Christian, mm-hmm. famous author. He couldn't make it on our show. He had illness take him, so we talked about his book. And he, he had quotes. I didn't even bring this for the sake of time, bring, bring the quotes that General Boykin makes in churches. But here, here's just a little primer on him from Wikipedia, okay? Mm-hmm. Give you get people's appetites whetted on on General Boykin. It says Lieutenant General Boykin uh, was the U.S. Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence. He played a role in almost every recent major American military operation, serving in uh, Gren- Grenada, Somalia, and Iraq. Um, he's the author of a book, Never Surrender: A Soldier's Journey to the Crossroads of Faith and Freedom. And uh, just a few little snippets from this. Uh, he went to apply to get in Delta Force. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, in fact, a Fort Bragg psychologist almost ended Boykin's career wanting to exclude him from the Delta Force because he was, quote, too religious. However, he was finally accepted in the Delta Force at the age of 29. Uh, Boykin believed God had a hand in things. God led me to the Delta Force, and he said to me, this is where you ought to be. Now, let me just say that I have someone very, very close to me. Uh, who has a background working in the defense area like I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, they worked with people in special ops regularly, and some from Delta Force. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean this in a disparaging way to the people who have worked in Delta Force. And Should the people I say Because I, I think I know what you're going to say. But, well, no, I guess I better say it. Um, and, again, this is not to disrespect what they do and their sacrifices and their family. But And I've heard this from others. They were some pretty scary people. Totally. They were very scary like people. Wacko. Uh, where you just didn't know what they were going to do next. I mean, they were on the edge. And I'm not blaming them. I'm blaming the training that they received. There was, you know, very intense psychological training to make them what they are. Some mm-hmm. people say, well, you just got to do that to people because they've got the kind of duties where they need to slit throats immediately, they drop a hat, grab a knife, cut it. Mm-hmm. And you have to break something in a person to make them like that. 
you know, it's one thing to, if someone is in like a terrible battle and it's us versus them and you just instinctively do it, these people have to know going in that they're expecting to do it. And uh, the thing is, I think they pay a terrible price mentally and a lot of ruined marriages, a lot of other mess yep. kind of stuff because of it. And so one of the guys, and I'm not, I can't say anything firm about General Boykin. I'm just saying keep that in perspective that now this guy is really a main pusher in the Christian world. Uh, it says uh, by 1980, he was the Delta Force Operations Officer on the Iranian hostage rescue attempt. Uh, which, of course, didn't go well. You know, the helicopters collided and 50 yeah, people so died. Yep. He said, however, he says, not a man who stood with us in the desert and pleaded to God for God to go with us was killed or even injured that night. So the people who called out to God weren't hurt. Uh, he says, in October 83, Major Boykin worked as an operations officer during Operation Urgent Fury in Grenada. Uh, also, in 89, Boykin was in Panama as part of the mission to apprehend Manuel Noriega. So he's part of all of these major actions. Okay. Um, uh, it says from 1991, he was at Army War College. Uh, and after that, as a colonel, he was in Colombia leading a mission to hunt for drug lord Pablo Escobar. Seymour mm-hmm. Hirsch later claimed in the New Yorker there were suspicions within the Pentagon that Boykin's team was going to take part in the assassination of Pablo Escobar and that U.S. Embassy officials in Colombia were acting as support. Now, that's supposed to be a no-no now. Mm-hmm. Hirsch refers to Mark Bowden's book, Killing Pablo, which made allegations that the Pentagon believed Boykin intended to break the law and exceed his authority in the operation. Mark Bowden states that within the special ops community, Pablo's death was regarded as a successful mission for Delta. Now, legend has it that its operators were in on the kill. Uh, Hirsch also quotes an anonymous retired Army general saying, that's what those guys did. I've seen pictures of Escobar's body. And you don't get that from a long-range telescope lens. They were taken by guys on the assault team. Wow. Uh, continues further. In April 1993, Boykin helped advise Attorney General Janet Reno regarding the standoff at Waco between the federal government and a religious sect. And that sect. worked out so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's according to how you look at it, I guess, that it went the way you wanted to. Uh, in October 93, Colonel Boykin was in command of the Delta Force tracking down militia leader... Mohammed Farah Idid in Somalia, during which time the infamous Battle of Mogadishu took place. Uh, sometime after this, he served at the Central Intelligence Agency as Deputy Director of Special Activities and promoted to the rank of Brigadier General. So now he's gone from Delta Force into the CIA. Okay. Great. Uh, from April 98 to 2000, he was Commanding General of the Special Forces Command uh, at Fort Bragg uh, and then Commanding General uh, of the Special Warfare Center and then appointed to Deputy Undersecretary of Defense of Intelligence. So uh, just, just some of the, the comments he's had, and because I want people to keep track on this gentleman. He says he's gained notoriety for his Christian fundamentalist views over the last few years in public remarks. He's a born-again Christian, which all that's great, uh, who has cast the war on terror in biblical terms. That's uh, pretty horrible. <laughs> yeah. A Pentagon investigation concluded in 2004 that he had violated regulations by failing to explain these remarks were not made in official capacity. Uh, Boykin achieved widespread media coverage for his statements that appeared to frame the war on terror in religious terms on NBC News. Um, uh, a William Arkin military analyst for NBC News was the source of the video and audio tapes. And then the LA Times ran a piece on Boykin. Uh, where they quoted him giving a speech about hunting down Osman Atu, 
says he went on CNN and laughed at us and said he'd never get me because Allah will protect me. Allah will protect me. Well, you know what? I knew that my God was bigger than his. And this is Now, this is a standing military officer saying this, okay, while he's yeah. on duty. He says, I knew my God was a real God and that his was an idol. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, and it says, uh, Boykin's remarks stirred much anger in the Muslim world. Of course, they're not a religion anyway, so much well, doesn't matter. But it's interesting you mention that uh, because I'm reading up here on the Delta Force as you're going. And uh, one of the things that the Pentagon mentions here in this article that I'm reading, the Pentagon tightly controls information about Delta Force and publicly refuses to comment on the highly secretive unit and its activities. Delta operators are granted an enormous amount of flexibility and autonomy. Mm-hmm. To conceal their identities, they rarely wear a uniform and usually wear civilian clothing both on or off duty. When military uniforms are worn, they lack markings, surnames, or even branch names. Civilian hairstyles and facial hair are allowed to enable yeah. the members to blend in and avoid recognition as military personnel. So Could be a co-host of a radio show. You don't know what's in my bag, do you? <laughs> well, anyway. Some I, I, of his, I'm telling you, it's not a sample charger 9mm. Some of his comments like this, uh, even um, the Senate Armed Services Committee, Chairman John Warner, Republican, and Democrat Carl Levin urged Rumsfeld to launch an investigation on him. Uh, they even put forth a House resolution condemning his religiously intolerant remarks and wanting him reassigned. Um, just just to conclude here on this, on September 26, 2009, which is just recently, Boykin gave an address at How to Take Back America conference. Okay, he wants to take it back. In St. Louis, hosted by the Eagle Forum, according to the Canada Free Press, General Boykin asked the audience, What are you prepared to give up for America? Are you willing to pay the ultimate price he followed up with warning, there is no greater threat to America than Islam. This man wants a war. He, he wants a war. He wants blood on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2010, Boykin, along with the co-authors such as uh, former CIA director James Woolsey and neoconservative activist Frank Gaffney Jr., they released a book entitled Sharia, the Threat to America, published by the Center for Security Policy, a Washington-based neoconservative think tank. The book describes what its authors call a stealth jihad, that must be thwarted before it's too late. What do you do to thwart it? That's what I want to know. Do you kill them? You just set up lots of Guantanamo bays you and kill take them people. All. You shoot them and you make put them yeah. all full of holes because yeah. yeah. it's not a religion and you know yeah. my God is bigger than your God. Therefore, you don't it's have good any for me to shoot you. Yeah, yeah. it's like woohoo, uh, boy! We've got some massive well, logic going on here. Next thing you know, never, it, never mind. It argues most mosques in the United States have already become radicalized, most of them. They're all... They're, and that most Muslim social organizations are fronts for violent jihadists and that Muslims who practice Sharia law seek to impose it on the country. Does this not remind you of the typical propaganda you read from... Like uh, somebody maybe who served in the CIA before? Yeah, yeah. According to the Washington Post... Uh, they say government terrorism experts call the views expressed in the center's book inaccurate and counterproductive. Uh, news reports have also attempted to connect Boykin with controversial tactics. The New York Times reported on March 18, 2006, that when asked by Undersecretary Cambone to get to the bottom of abuses committed by the an elite counterinsurgency task force, Boykin found no pattern of them except, despite ample evidence to the contrary. So the implications he's covering up... Um, you know, mm-hmm. civil rights abuse and other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, December 9, 2003, The Guardian, UK paper we often read from, uh, connected Boykin with secret Israeli counterinsurgency assistance in Iraq, allegedly including assassination squads. In another Guardian article, Sidney Blumenthal, President Clinton's former chief advisor, 
claim that towards the end of 2003, it was Boykin who, under Donald Rumsfeld orders, advised then-Camp X-Ray head Major General Jeffrey Miller in Guantanamo to transfer the same Camp X-Ray methods to Abu Ghraib in the Iraqi prison system. Hmm. Now, this is the man who is the darling of religious conservatives right now, okay? This is his legacy. Yeah, sure. Okay, in 2003, Seymour Hersh claimed a New Yorker that Boykin was a key planner, uh, along with Stephen Cambone, behind Rumsfeld's special forces approach to fighting the war on terror. Uh, when Boykin was questioned in a congressional inquiry regarding similarities between the current war on terror, special operations, and USA's Phoenix program during the Vietnam War. Do you remember the Phoenix program? Mm-hmm. Basically systematic torture and oh, yeah, that no was, rules. Yeah. Uh, I remember I remember watching an interview of a guy named uh, his last it was I can't remember his first name but his last name was Ng Ing yeah and uh, he said they were talking about how really this was just a buddy buddy thing and all this stuff and then he sort of grabs the camera it was like a live yeah. documentary style yeah. thing and he grabs the camera and he says I want to tell you about the hit against blah 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 it was a beautiful hit and he goes on in graphic detail about watching this guy get blown away from long range mm-hmm. through a scope yeah. and. You know, somebody asked him, he said, well, do you, you know, was that, who was that guy? He said, oh, I don't know, and then wandered off to the bar, you know, and that was all Operation Phoenix people. Well, the Phoenix program was basically a torture camp Yeah, is what it was. Um, Okay, when he was asked in congressional inquiry if there were similarities between the war on terror, special ops, and that Phoenix program, he says, I think we're running that kind of program. We're going after these people. Killing or capturing is a legitimate mission for the department. I think we're doing what the Phoenix program was designed to do without all the secrecy. Great. So he makes no apologies about this. So uh, if I can conclude this, um, I didn't know much about the Knights of Malta. Mm-hmm. I don't know if if you did. It's one of those things I was afraid to go down that hole because there's so, it's like going after the Jesuits. There's so much information you can get mm-hmm. lost. And this is something just this afternoon I was looking at. Yep. Uh, Knights of Malta, as I understand them, were a lot like the Knights Templar, except they they stay. Yeah. They didn't get wiped out, go underground, go into secret societies. Mm-hmm. They're overt. Um, their 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 allegiance is directly to the Pope. Mm-hmm. You have to take allegiance directly to the Pope. They took over the Crusades. Uh, they took over Jerusalem. They fought Muslims. For basically their entire existence has been a war against Muslims, mm-hmm. whether it was at Rhodes, I believe, or Malta, or mm-hmm. wherever they've been stationed. Then they got to where they were soldiers of fortune, and they would make money just fighting for anybody, for mm-hmm. anything. But they're, they're still the darlings of the Pope. And uh, the, the sovereign military order of Malta has its own place there in Rome that is a sovereign place. It issues its own passports. Uh, it has its own license tags. It's not part of any country, like you know, a block really? or so. It so has it's not even part of the Vatican. No, it has uh, its own separate international status. It has special advisor status to the United Nations. What? It has eighty nations that it has embassies with. The Knights of Malta. The United States has a Knights of Malta. I, embassy? Su- I assume. I assume they do. It's eighty nations. I assume we'd be high on the list. Yeah. Uh, so, so they're not anything to. You know, minimize. So mm-hmm. that's who this General Boykin is part of, a group who has a legacy of commitment to the Pope and a legacy of Christian warriors fighting military wars against Muslims. Okay, that's what he's joined himself to. Well, there's some other people that you might be surprised that are part of it, too. Hit it. Uh, are you familiar with Rick Joyner? 
Rick yeah, Joyner, the I've, key figure of the Dominionist movement. I've been reticent to say that because it's thus far been sort of like rumor that he's a knight of Malta. Well, uh, evidently some things I'm reading here. In fact, some of this information mm-hmm. was from uh, one of our guests who's been on our show. Um, I'll get to his name here in just a minute. But uh, he had actual tapes where he brags about it, where where Rick Joyner brags on his own teaching program about becoming a knight of Malta. Mm-hmm. Um, in That's fact, horrible. Let me let me just quote a few things here. Um, if, in fact, uh, um, he says uh, the basic. Uh, um, let me think about this gentleman's name here. Excuse me. I'll I'll get to it to, to a minute. I've got it here in, inside. But it says the basic theological positions on end time doctrines that govern the Dominionist movement is either post millennium, which states that Jesus will return after a thousand years of religious peace. Or Dominion Theology, which states that the church is to establish the kingdom of God on earth, or some abbreviated form of the two. These two doctrines are represented by the Catholic Church and other religious groups, postmillennialism, and the charismatic New Wave churches plus the Reconstructionist groups. The belief that Catholics and charismatics in this kind of stewed interpretation has certainly uh, laid the foundation for them to be totally deceived. Uh, both of these doctrinal ideas despise any teaching of a pre-tribulation rapture or of seven years of tribulation to follow. Okay, um, he says there's not a true biblical Christian on this earth that does not want revival. In other words, for us to have progress in the in the world. But it says, but when this revival is connected to postmillennialism or dominion theology, the the idea becomes anything but truth. Um, and as far as Rick Joyner. Uh, these are quotations from some audio tapes that he made, I guess, for his teaching ministry. Mm-hmm. It says, in the tapes in which I'm quoting, Mr. Joyner did not share the reasons for his visit to Germany and the archives of Nazism. He was there going through the Nazi facilities. A book written by Dave Hunt entitled Woman Rise of Beast may help you understand the connections. Adolf Hitler was supported and protected by the Catholic Church, and the Knights of Malta were clo- closely connected to Hitler by the Catholic connection. Okay, the Catholic Rite and the Knights of Malta, in particular Baron Franz von Papen, played a critical role in Hitler's assumption of power and launching the Third Reich's 20th century crusade. Sovereign or- Military Order of Malta, that's their official name. Military Order of Malta influence in Germany survived World War II intact. On November 17, 1948, the Sovereign Military Order of Malta awarded one of its highest honors, the Grand Cross of Merit, to Reinhard Galen. The Nazi I know chief all about of inti- that guy. Yeah, yeah the Nazi chief dude. of intelligence on the Soviet front. He uh, he starved four million people. That was his favorite way of getting gaining intelligence. He would mm-hmm. take hundreds of people, put them in a room, say, "Who's going to talk?" And they say, "Nobody." Yeah. And he just cut off their food and you know open the windows. Yeah. Well, did you know the Catholics gave him this high honor? I did not know this that. after the war. No. He was subsequently installed by the Americans as the first chief of West Germany's equivalent of the CIA. Uh, the Bundesrepublik, B and D, under the West German Chancellor Adenauer, a devout Catholic who had received the magic, uh, magistral Grand Cross personally from the Sovereign Military Order of Malta Grand Master Prince. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, the okay, they were also well, up. Uh, gosh, I, I could go. I know so much about him. Yeah, I, well, he factors into this. Yeah, why would Rick Joyner? Uh, of of our new apostolic reformation, guys. Mm-hmm. Why would he find such pleasure in visiting the historic sites of the Nazi regime? First, let's read his account of the visit and about him meeting a knight of Malta and hearing of their interest to knight him. He says, I was in Berlin with a man who was considered one of the foremost authorities on Nazi Germany, Colonel Eugene Byrd, 
who was the commandant of the Spandau prison, which housed all the war criminals after the war. And he's the one who wrote the book, The Loneliest Man in the World, uh, which was the memoirs of Rudolf Hess, who was Hitler's number two man. And Colonel Byrd had just taken myself and Paul Kane and a friend of ours on our most incredible, on the most incredible tour of Berlin that day. And he had the greatest, I think, still the greatest insight into what happened spiritually there. And you know, uh, we went to Hitler's bunker and we all went all over the place and he just gave us a personal tool, tour. And he gave Paul and I the same tour and it was one of the most fascinating days I ever had in my life. Uh, and we're eating dinner with Colonel Byrd and I was saying we're talking all this stuff and I said, uh, you ever heard of these Knights of Malta? And he said, well, I am one. And he pulls out his credentials and he said, you know, they still exist. And I knew they still existed because I had met a few around, but they're hardly known here, but they are known in Europe. And he says, As a matter of fact, this one knight who's called a knight commander has recommended you to be knighted and he's looking for you now. I talked to him. They had been reading our journals and stuff like that. And the head of the order had been baptized in the Holy Spirit and wanted to see them become a spiritual force just like they had been a natural force. So they whoa, want the Knights of Malta whoa. to become a spiritual force. Colonel Bird tells me this one guy, he was an Austrian baron. He says he's looking for you. He's already recommended you to be knighted. So uh, he, he carries on here um, that their doctrine of dominion theology clearly projects a one-world government with a one-world religion. Joel's army, which is you know a main thing they plan to use for mm-hmm. this army, will be similar to the Crusaders, who fought and conquered their way to the city of Jerusalem in the 11th century. The time of the Crusaders was the actual time of history when the Knights of Malta was founded. The historic and futurist connection of all this is breathtaking. Uh, following is an explanation of why the Knights of Malta is knighting non-Catholics and persons outside the nobility ranks of Europe. It says the sovereign military and hospitality order of St. John of Jerusalem of Rhodes and Malta, known as the Sovereign Military Order of Malta, or SMOM, is juridically, politically, and historically unique in the world today, representing initially the most powerful and reactionary segments of the European aristocracy for nearly a thousand years beginning in the early crusades of the 12th century, is organized, funded, and led in military operations against states and ideas deemed threatening to its power. It is probably safe to say that the several thousand knights of the sovereign military order Malta particularly in uh, Europe, North, Central, and South America, comprise the largest, most consistently powerful and reactionary membership of any organization in the world today. Mm-hmm. Although an exclusively Roman Catholic uh, organization, in this century it has collaborated with and given high awards to non-Catholic extremists in its current crusade against progressive forces in the West, the national liberation movements, and the socialist countries. I was going to say that's that's not entirely true, it being a strong Roman Catholic force. There's actually a Protestant offshoot. That is true. I think it's based out of Russia, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. It, went, it was a Russian arm that split off that, that, mm-hmm. that hosted it. Just to be a knight, one must not only be from a wealthy aristocratic lineage, but one must also have a psychological worldview which is attracted to the crusader mentality of these warrior monks. Uh, participating uh, in the uh, Sovereign Military Order of Malta, including its initiation ceremonies and feudal ritual dress, members embrace a certain caste class mentality. They are sociologically and psychologically predisposed to function as the shock troops of Catholic reaction. And this is precisely the historical role the Knights have played in the wars against Islam, against the Protestant heresy, and against the Soviet evil empire. And that is quoted from a book called The Nazis, the Vatican, and the CIA. Uh, from winter of 86, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, last uh, last little bit here. Uh, it says, The primary organization called the Knights of Malta 
has its headquarters in the Vatican of Rome and is clearly controlled and operated by the Catholic Church. Their official website gives their name as Sovereign Military Order of Malta. Uh, they are a religious lay order of the Catholic Church, uh, founded in Jerusalem in 1099, approved by the Pope in 1113. Um, they, they say themselves, the Order of Malta was admitted to the United Nations as a permanent observer on August 24, 1994. They also claim, quote, official diplomatic relations with over 80 states and international organizations. The altar of Malta is clearly a Catholic order controlled by the Pope and totally committed to the Pope, the Virgin Mary, and service to Roman Catholic ideas and causes. It's a powerful and massive organization. And so uh, the author says, with this background, why would charismatic leaders have an interest in being an intimate part, being knighted and accepting responsibility to serve the Roman Church? The answer is simply that a large body of charismatic leaders have adopted the same ultimate goals of a one-world government, a one-world religion, and the necessity. Now, this is speaking from a Pentecostal speaking, okay? Mm -hmm. And the necessity of forcing this idea on the entire world. The present pope has met with almost every religious organization in the world and is inviting everyone to the same religious table. A one-world religion, I know I'm getting late here, I'll hurry. A one-world religion is ready to be established as soon as the Holy Bride of Christ has been removed out of their way. Okay? And... uh well, let me just finish here. Uh, it says, I'm sitting, this is back to the tapes for Rick Warren. Rick Warren says, I'm sitting in the lobby in Nuremberg. Okay, that's the religious center of the Nazis. Mm -hmm. With Bobby Conner and a few other men. And this guy comes out walking in the lobby of the hotel as an interesting looking guy. And Reed, who was Paul Kane's assistant, was standing behind me. And he says, look, there's Newman Payton. And this guy was Baron Newman Payton, who Colonel Byrd had told me was looking for me. I said, Reed? Do you know that man? He said, oh, yeah, we met him years ago. And he came over, walked to me, and said he'd been looking to meet with me. And I stopped him right away. I said, Bobby, give me a readout on this guy. And this guy's going, what's a readout? And Bobby goes, sir, when you came in, I just saw something. I saw that you had just come from the office of a man named Kurt Waldheim. See, they just went to see Kurt Waldheim, who was mm -hmm. a U.N. figure, actually was a guy known for war crimes, Nazi mm -hmm. war crimes. His eyes got big because he'd just come from Kurt Waldheim's office. Uh, and, and then he says, uh, he saw him opening a briefcase there and giving you something out of it. And Bobby described the briefcase. His eyes got real big and he said, this is incredible. Uh, Baron Payton said, this is the only briefcase like that in the world. I had it custom made for Kurt Waldheim. And it was, it was a weird thing that Bobby had described. Um, and so after that, uh, it says that, where's the show where, Okay, that same trip they had a meeting evidently with Saddam Hussein. Sweet. Uh, so on, Rick Joyner hung out with Saddam Hussein and got knighted as a knight of Malta. Or uh -huh. and, right, right. That's a pretty. Um, Kurt Waldheim, by the way, who was barred from entering the United States in '87, suspected war criminal, was was knighted by the Pope. Um, great. Yeah, he was guilty of atrocities against the Jewish people as well as British prisoners of war. I'm really glad you got all this stuff together. Well, I'm this sorry. Is, I didn't mean to be, be long. No, do but, you have more? I mean, this is this is fascinating fascinating stuff. Well, he, he says uh, this is like their way of thinking internally. He he is quoting in this audio how they're, these guys in the New Apostolic Reformation, they're talking. It says, Bobby told him a little bit more about the papers and everything, and it really got his attention. He was captured from then on. He was a prophetic man. This is a man in their midst. He was the one who prophesied to Indira Gandhi that if she did not give her heart to the Lord, she'd be dead in one week. Five days later, she was assassinated. Um, and this Gandhi's, was a Gandhi's wife, who Gandhi, Indira Gandhi was. Um, and, and this is uh, they're talking about a, a fortune telling expertise of this man, Bobby Connor. 
Okay. Well, that's. Uh, it says, and he is a friend with a head of a number of Muslim nations, as well as other countries, and he's been a prophetic voice to them, the Muslim mm-hmm. nations. But he's never seen his gift operate like this in such a specific way. So he was just captured. Uh, this worked out in a strategic way you wouldn't believe. It was important. This was the guy who was key to getting Paul Kane to an audience with Saddam Hussein. Uh, you, you may have never heard us talk about that. Uh, Saddam Hussein, some of his guys had been to a meeting and had seen the prophetic gift operate, and they were utterly convinced that Paul was a true prophet. Saddam became convinced, and he wanted to meet with Paul. Okay, so now Saddam Hussein is convinced that this fortune teller, who is like a sorcerer kind of guy, is telling the stuff. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, okay, and then it says, uh, right after that, the Lord had told Bobby Connor to fax Newman Payton and write... Um, let me skip down here to the bottom of it, because um, I want to get to the part of how they're knighted. Okay, here it is. Anyway, we went on, and a bunch of us got knighted by these Knights of Malta. This is Rick, uh, Rick Joyner talking. Okay, I did first, and I wasn't even going to do it, but I thought it was a great honor and all, but I just don't join things like that. Anyway, Paul Kane called me from Austria, and he said, you know, just uh, tuned in on it. And he said, the Lord is going to give you some credentials, like Paul's credentials, where his Roman citizenship really was used at times. Talking about him being a knight of Malta now. And he said, you're really supposed to do this thing. So I did. And then some of the other guys. We even got Bobby Connor knighted and Stephen Leonard. Anyway, we had a big time. Bobby, we, we dubbed, uh, see, we, we uh, polluted the blue blood of Europe. I mean, it was bad. Ricky Skaggs, you know, country singer. Mm. He's a knight of Malta. Evidently, he got in along with him. Wow! And he just lives a few blocks from here. I just yeah he yeah doesn't he live up to yeah Miss, Mrs. Future was talking to him in Kroger the other day. I, yeah, I thought I saw him. I was eating yeah. Saturday night. He was knight of Malta. Yeah. Uh, he said that it is real. This somehow is very important to the Lord. He's kept now the God. He's kept this order in existence. I think like he has Israel. It has an end times purpose and destiny. I'm sure it does. The Knights of Malta. The one he thinks of. They went on and made me a knight commander, which gave me authority to knight others. And then they made me something else, where I have authority over all the knights supposedly in the United States. This is Rick Joyner saying this. I wonder if they, like, just make stuff up and give it to them. I don't, I don't know. I mean, well, because they're used to swallowing stuff. Yeah. This in, uh, incredible documentation of what certain personalities in the charismatic New Wave are doing to affect and prepare for the New World Order. Uh, to imagine Saddam Hussein calling a charismatic prophet for this prophetic insight is a draw, uh, drawback to ancient r- rulers and their love for sorcerers and fortune tellers. I have a last little kicker here, mm-hmm. and, I'll, and I'll get done with this. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Uh, okay, this this Rick Joyner wrote a book all about the Knights of Malta called Courage That Changed the World. And how Christians needed to embrace the Knights of Malta as the, the example we need to follow. You know, because they fought Islamic people, killed them. He says, as in the second book of the Hall of Fame series, Rick highlights the Knights of the Order of St. John, which is their other name. A group of men who, who through their courage and tenacity in the face of overwhelming odds, greatly impacted the course of history. Courage to Change the World is a short book. It may indeed be a defensive book. In other words, a public answer explanation to what he hasn't gotten involved in. On page 4 and 5, the book states, Though the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but spiritual, there are great and timely lessons in the amazing history of the Order of St. John. And if we are to prevail, our fight will require no less than courage, endurance, and focused vision than the Knights of St. John. 
Because of their unity, focused vision, and determination never to retreat before the enemies of the cross, they changed forever what appeared to be the inevitable course of history. And last comments here. This, these are his comments out of the book. Talking about courageous knights in the last days church. Okay, Like the nation of Israel, the order of St. John the Baptist seems to have uniquely been preserved to play a part in the final battle between light and darkness. Okay, Saying here in, in the I last days. <laughs> the church and even Western civilization is no less in jeopardy today than it was at the time of Suleiman. You know, the big Muslim mm-hmm. guy. Conflicts within the church have weakened her to the point that she is more vulnerable to the enemy than ever. He's talking about militarily vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Okay, even so, the Lord is not constrained to deliver by many or few. He still has those who are true noblemen who are establishing noble families throughout the earth. Noble families, huh? Okay. Like now, now that's spiritualizing. Kind of blue blood? Or mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you see, he's now blue blood. So now he can knight other people. So he's part of the inner circle. He says, they are bound together by a common faith that transcends denominational differences. So he didn't have to get down in the doctrinal in the stuff. Yeah. When you're blue blood, the little people worry about doctrine. You know, that's interesting you mentioned that. That's exactly what I've been observing in these people that have been, that overthrew governments and stuff in the yeah. 50s, 60s, and 70s. Yeah. Uh, Kermit Roosevelt and uh, mm-hmm. Monty Woodhouse, two guys that worked yeah. big time with Ajax. That yeah. was their big thing. Like, well, you know, uh, they were both described as um, well-heeled but not necessarily intelligent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thought, wow, that's interesting because they yeah. both have doctorates from Oxford yeah. and Harvard, respectively. Yeah, right. You know, which means they told them what they wanted to hear. Yeah. When they did stuff, that's when you get your degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, you know, it's interesting because when you get to that level, you become sort of internationalist. You don't care about nationalism or what happens to your country mm-hmm. or whatever. You're in a different circle. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's going to play ball. Okay. He 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 goes on here. He says. Uh, um, they are bound, talking about the noble families of the earth, they are bound together by a common faith that transcends denominational differences. They too have vowed not to retreat before the enemies of the cross, nor yield a single acre of ground to the enemy of our faith. The Lord is again calling together the true knights of the spirit. They will stand unified in spite of all the petty divisions and spiritual wars that go on around them. They know who the real enemy is, and they too will stand without wavering against the greatest darkness of their times, and they will push the darkness back. Some of these are in the modern order of St. John. Some of them may be in your church. One of them may be you. Uh, and then he shows a picture of the uh, present Grand Master with his mm-hmm. titles on the, on the book. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I know that was crazy long. I had a bunch of short stories otherwise. But mm-hmm. I just thought that was just that something was, I came up with this that afternoon. Was amazing. That was, I mean, that it was, all makes sense. It really all makes sense because you got Dominionist, you yeah. got these New Apostolic guys, you got guys like Boykin. They're all itching for a fight. They want a war. They want a crusade. Mm-hmm. They're missing the good old times when we knew who the enemy was. Yeah, and all the he enemies had a d- wore different black hats and different religion and yeah. different skin color, mm-hmm. and we just whacked them in the head, and we could tell them this it's, is from Jesus. It's just veiled imperialism. Mm-hmm. I'm impaling you in Jesus' name. Yeah, and uh, they want the good old days like that, and they're going to have it. They're going to keep pushing the evangelical community. And like he said, the key thing, what Boykin said, is is when it comes up to the political candidates they pick, they're going to pick one in, like they had in Bush, that's going to give them the war that they want. It's horrible, man. And and there's going to be bloodshed on both sides to fulfill their bloodlust. Uh, and it's going, to be, it's going to be a lot like the Dreyfus Affair. As, as you've mentioned many times. Totally humiliate the church. Yeah, except it's going to be like a hundred times bigger. Yeah. And a hundred times worse. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They're not going to, they're not going to stop until they have the, the fight that they want. 
Wow. That needs to be, um, uh, never mind. I'll have to talk. I see the floor. Sorry about the yeah. lengthy. No, that's cool. Wonder. I had no idea I took that long. No, well, it was all. You I'm, take as long as you want. Say whatever you want to like now. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Call me Ishmael. Um, gosh, I can't compete with something that awesome, man. I mean, what well, do you? I, I didn't mean to go that long. Sorry. You're like you're like flying an F-16 over the house, and I'm like the guy with the little like the little paddle in the ball. Like, well, look, I got a little story. Makes me want to go find out who else is on Night of Malta. Yeah. See you. Oh, I, I know. I kept. Uh, I kept looking to find where the the Knight of Malta embassy was here in the mm-hmm. United States. Well, we got a, we got a couple of uh, well, we got one of them in Florida because it had a name on it. But mm-hmm. you know, we got some guys on the council on foreign relations. You know, like Richard Land and uh, you know, Rick Warren. You know, I hear about all this stuff and like Rick Joyner and, and Rick mm-hmm. Warren, all these guys with, within all these yeah. semi secret societies. Yeah. You know, what it reminds me a little bit of is Aleister Crowley and all of the bragging he did about being in all sorts of secret mm-hmm. societies. He was connected to. He was a blue blood. Yeah, yeah. He was a bad boy, the blue blood, but he was a blue blood. Yeah. And because he had money that was, you know, bequeathed to him, mm-hmm. he could get into all that horribleness because of his idleness. Yeah. You know, one thing I've noticed, one thing I've noticed uh, in the things that I've that I work with and do, it seems like you really get into it's like extreme disobedience, really sort of. Uh, gets you into trouble, and with somebody like Aleister Crowley or maybe even Boykin, where it's you know money's being handed to you, mm-hmm. it's like there's no thing to sort of keep that disobedience, you know, sort of in check. Yeah. You know, you you in some way, shape, or form got so far outside the box that gas like, on fire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's totally weird. And that's where it can be a blessing to be part of the working class. When you're part of the working class and your time is spent earning a living. And doing the basic things with your family, mm-hmm. you don't have time to get in that well, the kind of idleness and the kind of stuff, you know. Well, how often, how often is it, you know, the whole idea of of God saying that, you know, when when you are weak, I am strong, you know, mm-hmm. to different people and veiled and veiled and even not so veiled right. forms, you right. know. And I think there's there's something to that. It is a temptation, though, if you're in a case where you're self sufficient, to Get into destructive. I mean, it's a tremendous opportunity. Totally. If if it's, it's like you know, God told Cain, you know, sin is crouching at your door, but you must seize it. And so it's up to us on how we handle it. Mm-hmm. So wow. Anyway, lay stuff on us. Here. Oh, I don't have anything nearly that cool. Um, I got I got a little cheesy one pager here. Okay. Blah 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 blah. blah. Lay it on us. Um, this is from the raw story. And this is really sort of an addendum explaining a, yeah. uh, a, a video that I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this is from, anyway, from the raw story. The official position of the U.S. Secretary of State is that countries around the world should respect their citizens' right to free speech, free expression, and free assembly. And that's precisely what he- Secretary Hillary Clinton said during a Tuesday speech at George Washington University. Unfortunately, as she spoke, not 15 feet in front of her, uh, a series of events unfolded that utterly undermined the message. Former CIA agent Ray McGovern, an outspoken critic of U.S. foreign policy, and somebody who I respect immensely, mm-hmm, actually, mm-hmm. stood silently in the auditorium center aisle and turned his back on Clinton. For his symbolic and otherwise non-destructive protest, he was quickly accosted by security agents. As they struggled to pull him out of the room, a CNN news camera caught the tail end of the ordeal. I think they actually tried to put a bag over his head, too. Now, his crime was turning his back on her. He stood up in the middle of the speech and turned his back on her. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and that was it. It, it's yeah. it's like it's like something you would think of like seeing on one of those uh-huh. like goofy news networks where they yeah. like stage stuff like the yeah. Onion or something. Yeah. But it's it's, yeah. it's crazy. You yeah. know, here she is. She's saying. I think at one point she actually says, "And more than anything, we respect the right of citizens, even in sovereign foreign mm-hmm. countries, free speech." Yeah. And then now drag that man out of and there. And then she gets this kind of slightly pained look on her face, but keeps going. Yeah. You know, and like. It's clear she's looking over the audience to try and ignore something going yeah. on, and then the camera yeah. pans out. And here's this dude getting getting scuffled, you know, by two guys that are way bigger than him. That look like they're trying to put a bag over his head. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, so anyway, CNN news, a CNN news camera caught the tail end of the ordeal, and uh, he, he at the end of it he says, "So this is America. This is America. Who are you?" The 71 year old McGovern shouted as he was hauled away. He claims to have been bloodied and bruised by one man in uniform and an unmanned, unnamed, plainclothes security officer. Clinton didn't even skip a beat. That's true. She kept a pretty good composure over the mm-hmm. uh, McGovern was, was being represented by the Partnership for Civil Justice Fund. Uh, you know, I mean, in some ways, he has a longer, more distinguished set of credentials and experience than she does. Sure. With his career. I mean, <clears throat> she should be honoring him. Sure. He was... Um, he was uh, uh, the guy who gave briefings to, I believe, uh, Reagan for a good number of good number of years. Yeah, well, and served as a high top level analyst in the CIA. Yeah, for for, for a long, long time. See, how did he get out and respond positively compared to these other guys? How did he keep his soul? That's what I want to know. Well, it's an interesting, interesting question. Yeah, maybe I we think should have him on to talk about that. I think that would be great. There's yeah. so many Pandora boxes. He's like. He'd show up to the studio with a truckload of them. Yeah. See all these? These are my Pandora boxes. Yeah. Um, anyway, he says, It is the ultimate definition of lip service that the Secretary of State Clinton would be trumpeting the U.S. government's supposed concerns for free speech rights, and this man would be simultaneously brutalized and arrested for engaging in a peaceful act of dissent at her speech. Uh, and I would add a silent act. Yeah. You know, totally non-disruptive other than some sort of you know, possibly visual thing, mm-hmm. uh, a spokesman for the group said. U.S. officials came under similar, similar rhetorical fire in December when they announced plans to host World Press Freedom Day. The announcement was made on the same day that Senator Joseph Lieberman declared that WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange should be prosecuted for espionage over his role in the release of the U- U.S. diplomatic cables. Uh, McGovern says, when people die because we have hypocrites at the top of our government, that compels me to make a statement in whatever way I can, McGovern told Rob Call, who mm-hmm. posted the remarks to Op-Ed News. It was not the theme of her speech that I was protesting. It was her war policies in support of Mubarak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah, you know, he actually, he actually, we paid oh, right in the neighborhood of $3 billion a year to uh, Mubarak for mm-hmm. 31 years. Do you know how much money is missing from the Egyptian treasury that people are now saying he stole? Just about that much. Ninety, ninety-three billion dollars. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we get for it. And that's not the government. Our government does that so they can look good with the public. They look like they have friends and that they did well diplomatically when they bought them with our money. Mm-hmm. If they would, if we could go over there individually and say, let's give every citizen $3,000, will you be my friend? We would actually have better success than what they're doing. Yeah. Well, you know? it's 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 interesting. Uh, Eisenhower, again, in, in, in reading up on Operation yeah. Ajax, I, I'm, I'm practically giving my whole 
politics of religion. Well, we'll have you back here to, to really go through it. I'd like to show. do, yeah, I'd like to do a series of shows. There's just not yeah. enough time to go okay. through it all. Um, but uh, Truman, uh, basically, the British tried everything they could, short of an invasion, to uh, mm-hmm. get the get their oil fields back, and uh, uh, the Truman wouldn't support it. And then uh, Eisenhower came in. And uh, the Dallas brothers, who were the, you saw everything in yeah. Cold Warrior terms. Right, right. And uh, Monty Monty Woodhouse, mm-hmm. the guy charged with convincing the Americans to go along with whatever the mm-hmm. British plotted, uh, he said, "I knew that I couldn't go to the Americans and tell them that you know uh, I couldn't tell them that we needed their help getting back our getting back our land." Hmm. Uh, so I changed the argument. I told him that Iran was in danger of falling to communism. Uh, and indeed was on the very brink, and the only way to get that out was to get a state more stable leader than Mossadegh in there. And uh, the Dallas brothers jumped at it and then sold it to Eisenhower, yeah. who was said to remark, you know what I don't understand, you guys, speaking to the Dallas mm-hmm. brothers, you know what I don't understand uh, is why is it that we go all over the world and everybody hates us? But he ended up ended up authorizing the coup. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yep. you know... Because somehow we feel like we have to. Can I make a quick comment on that while mm-hmm. you're finding your next story? Uh, because it relates to why we have to go do these things. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to go into overtime here, don't worry. Okay. Um, uh, there was something I saw about a conference that's now getting ready to be held uh, featuring uh, possible two, two, 2012-er candidates. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, uh, this, this announcement of this conference coming up, this is the organization... Uh, let's see, three potential presidential hopefuls, a handful of conservative leaders, an anti-gay national organization for marriage, will participate in a conference organized by the U.S. Uh, Representative Steve King next month in Des Moines. The Conservative Principles Conference will be held March 26th in the downtown Des Moines Marriott. The main topic will be, quote, American exceptionalism. Horrible. American exceptionalism. Do you all understand what that means? That means America is better than everybody else, yeah. that we have a right to do things nobody else has a right to We're do. We're all equal at the foot of the cross, but Americans are, by definition, more equal. We have a right to control other countries mm-hmm. that they don't have a right. If they want to make nuclear weapons, they have to ask our permission. If they want to have a military anywhere, they have to ask our permission. Uh, how they want to structure their government, they have to ask our permission. And that's because Jesus particularly pointed out America, somewhere in the Bible there, that America was the Christian nation and the culmination mm-hmm. of everything. Um, the attendees are going to be Rick Santorum, uh, Michelle Bachman. Uh, I'm just mentioning Michelle Ambassador Bachman, huh? uh, John uh, Bolton. Uh, you know, who's all he talks about is going to war with Iran, and now he's thinking about running for president. Um, Great. And a bunch of other people, uh, uh, Tea Party Patriots, uh, Fairtax.org. Uh, and I'd, I'd really like to ask him about. Uh, for them to define American exceptionalism, and particularly mm-hmm. these uh, Christian moral organizations, wh- how, what the Bible teaches about American exceptionalism. I mean, you know, you got to give these guys credit, just like General Boykin. They're not being that covert about it. They're, they're no, just they're right putting it front. on the table. Like, they're putting it in your face. We're awesome, and Jesus loves us more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, we've got some guns. They're Woo! not. They're they're not doing it under the table. No, just, it's like right out in front. Most people don't care. They don't even understand. They don't even I understand prayed, what these terms are. I prayed, and I said, Lord, thank you for what you've done. And the Lord spoke to me and said, no. Thank you. Where did that come from? Um, You've said that several times. It, I had some friends who went to a concert, 
Yeah. And uh, the person singing at the concert actually okay. said that from the stage. Okay. Because that spirit, you, you hear it big ups. Okay. Lay another story on us. Sorry about that. All right. Wait a minute. Did I? Well, no, you went. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just wanted to throw that. I really didn't want to take your thunder there. I just buy your time to find another story. <laughs> okay. Uh, Army wants rapid-fire bullets for crowd control. That's okay. nice. Uh, the U.S. Army... Don't they have things called machine guns that are rapid-fire? Yeah, but they want rubber bullets oh. for the machine guns. Oh, good. So they can yeah. drop 20 of them in you. Yeah, want, Army wants... I'm sorry, did I, did I read that wrong? Army wants rapid-fire rubber bullets rubber for bullets. crowds. I'm sorry. Uh, this, is, this came from uh, New Scientist. Okay. It's a tech you know, yeah. thing. The U.S. Army is planning to field rubber bullets for machine guns. Military officials claim the ammunition will allow them to more effectively quell violent press protests without loss of life. But human rights campaigners are alarmed by the new weapon. Uh, why? I, I guess the obvious question is, why is a military force feel the deep need to quell violent protests? You know, shouldn't you be out fighting other That's their mission. armies and stuff? It's not to, like, go conquer territory or anything else. It's population control. Well, that's the big... Used to be that's what police did. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe even National Guard. But now the military yeah. has to subjugate people. And keep them subjugated. Yeah. The Army's existing crowd control rounds are single-shot rifle, single shots fired from handheld grenade, grenade launchers with a range of about 50 meters. The XM-1044 would double this range. 100 meters. That's kind of a long way to get yeah. somebody with a rubber bullet. Yeah. It would be Football suppl- field. Yeah. It would be supplied in belts for the MK-19 grenade launcher, a truck-mounted weapon that can fire almost six rounds per second. Wow. The MK-19 has been exported to some 30 countries, including and especially Egypt. The U.S. Army has a requirement for rapid-fire non-lethal capability, said Ken Schulters, project manager for close combat systems at Picantilly Arsenal in New Jersey. All currently fielded, fielded non-lethal ammunition a single shot. Firing rapidly at long range is likely to be dang- dangerously inaccurate. You don't say. <laughs> Says Angela Wright of Amnesty oh, International. So what if it hits a few baby carriages and um, things like that? Well, you know what Churchill said about uh, a massacre that British troops were involved in in 1946. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said uh, they uh, British troops killed a bunch of women and children in yeah. Greece uh, during a, a protest in Athens. And he said, um, he said, you know, you just shouldn't bring uh, you just shouldn't bring unarmed women and children to a protest. Mm-hmm. Uh, such because a w- it's going to get bloody. Yeah, that was that was his implication. Yeah, that they was have their way. Defense, yeah. yeah, such a weapon system would allow for a burst of non-accurate fire at a crowd with high risk of hitting bystanders, ricochets, and hitting of vulnerable areas of the body. Despite being hollow and plastic, if a round were to strike someone in the head, it could severely injure or kill them. And so that's kind of the short wow. short end of the stick there. Wow. Great. Wow. I mean, given the this is just another one of those things where you know we've we've reviewed. I feel it feels to me like ad nauseum because yeah. I've been here for every show, but maybe not to some of our more recent listeners. Is that every time the U.S. military requests something for anti-terrorism, it's within within months of them deploying it mm-hmm. overseas, it's deployed over here, here. with police departments and mm-hmm. you know all of this stuff. There was the when they have like Tea Party kind of meetings, when they have conventions, yeah. uh, uh, Republican and Democratic conventions, all those kind of things they bring about. Yeah, there was the um, there was the the thing that that cooks your skin, cooks mm-hmm. the water in your skin. Yeah. There was that uh, uh, that sound cannon. There was uh, the the UAVs that the 
that, mm-hmm. uh, well, Dallas, in fact, the Dallas uh, Police Department has been using them since like 2009 mm-hmm. to fly unmanned around, you know, looking at houses and mm-hmm. stuff and uh, all that. So coming soon, yeah. rubber bullets to your deplete wow. police department. You know what happened in in you know what happened uh, during one particular coup in uh, in Central America? They overthrew I won't tell you which one, uh, but they overthrew the dictator and brought in the CIA handpicked guy. Yeah. And just before he was going to make his speech, they got on they got on the radio and they decided they needed to play martial music. Yeah. And uh, they didn't know what to play, so somebody accidentally picked uh, the Star Spangled Banner <laughs> and oh. played it. <laughs> Oh, ouch! <laughs> well, we got about three or four minutes. You got anything else you want to go through real quick before we do? No, some let's do some. Let's do some uh, uh, emails. Emails. I'd okay. love to do some we'll emails. We'll do them. Uh, by the way, one thing I didn't get to mention on a story that I think is really cool. People want to look up. If I can give three minutes before we do it, um, was that I found a story called "Not as Old as You Think" out of Open Magazine, uh, talking about yoga. Yeah. Uh, it, there's a campaign to push that yoga it came from India to make sure that it's shown that it's a, you know, part of a religion, and it said there's only one problem with this purest history of yoga. It is false. Uh, yoga songs were never Vedic to back. begin with. Uh, this is from a Indian from India instructor, visiting professor of history mm-hmm. uh, at the Indian Institute of Science, Education, and Research. Um, they said yoga is to North America what McDonald's is to India, both a foreign implant gone native. Some 16 million Americans do some form of yoga, primarily as part of their exercise and fitness. Um, and it says, uh, by and large, the U.S. yoga industry does not hide the origins of what it teaches. Um, yoga's presumed antiquity, a 5,000-year-old ex- uh, exercise system and connections with Eastern spirituality have become part of the sales pitch. Um where it says many yoga studios use the Indian classic or curtain music, incense, signs of Om, and other paraphernalia, um, uh, you know, for this whole purpose to make it, to make it that. The part that I want to get to, I can't read the whole thing because I even edited it down, but is that the reality is that postural yoga, as we know it in the 21st century, is neither eternal nor synonymous with the Vedas or Yoga Sutras. On the contrary, modern yoga was born in the late 19th, 20th centuries. It is a child of the Hindu Renaissance and the Indian nationalism in which Western ideas about science, evolution, eugenics, health and physical fitness played a role, a crucial role as mother tradition. In this massive multi-level hybridization this period, the spiritual aspects of yoga and tantra were rationalized, largely along the theosophical ideas of spiritual science Introduced to India by the U.S. origin India-based Theosophical Society. Well, he's just like rolling a strike right down and future in, quake plate. Yeah. You know? So it was the Theosophical Society, Madame Blavatsky stuff, based mm-hmm. in India, that really got yoga going. I mean, it's it's funny if you think, oh, no, it's this terrible ancient Hindu religion. That's terrible. Well, I have good news for you. It doesn't really tie no. to that religion. The bad news is it's Luciferian. Isn't yeah. It? I was going to say, yes. you know... That's interesting because you know where you know where the uh, the swastika came from. Right from that Madame, same Madame Blavatsky taking it from the Hindus. That same that same area. Yep. So anyway, um, that that's where uh, and it says if any Hindu tradition can at all claim a patent on postural yoga, it is the caste defying, ganja smoking, sexually permissive, Shiva and Shakti worshipping sorcerers, alchemists, and tantrics, who are the cowherds, potters, and such like. Um, 
It says, they undertook great physical austerities, not because they sought to achieve pure consciousness, unencumbered by the body and other gross matter, but because they wanted magical powers to become immortal and to control the rest of the natural world. So, that's what you get from yoga. Yeah, up, uplifting. Okay. We're here to uplift um, you. One of the ancient texts they base yoga, current yoga on right now, by the Yoga Rahasha, uh, was supposedly dictated to uh, Krishna Makarya in a trance by a ghost of an ancestor who had been dead nearly a millennium. So there's where yoga comes from. And so if some of you all have churches where you all have yoga classes, you might want to mention, say, are we going to have the theosophy lesson too? Are we going to learn about the Luciferian pledge? Yeah. Speaking of Luciferians, let's hear from some Futurians. What do you say? <laughs> I was going to say, I hope he, I hope he goes where I think he's going to go with I'll that. I'll say that. I, I was not going to give that to Marv this time. I'll yeah. just take it out on the Futurians. Um, Although you were actually, somebody actually thanked you for not being a Luciferian recently. That's didn't true. You? That yeah. is true. That's made my day. I'm pretty sure that you're not a Luciferian anymore. Wish your other Futurians believe that. Yeah. Uh, this is from <laughs> our, our friend uh, Maria. Maria. Okay. Um, this is what Maria has to say. Uh, thanks to you and Tom for another home run of a podcast. My opinion, the DA, DEA, Drug Enforcement Agency, may be involved in the drug traffic in the same way that the CIA hands the military are, and that they may also be involved in intelligence operations. Hmm. I have not researched this subject in a serious matter, but there are some bits of information that come to mind that lead me to hold that opinion. The military looked at Afghanistan and the poppy bumper crops since the U.S. has invaded. Remember those photos of the U.S. soldiers guarding poppy fields of the reports that the soldiers were told to keep hands off drug traffickers? I don't know if you read those reports a few years back, but I did. Uh, she says, I no longer read current news except for listening to future quakes. It's also corrupt and never changing. No kidding. Wow. Some people think that drug money is how black ops are funded. Besides, our, and that, I'd be one of them. Well, yeah, no, I uh, mean, that, that's sort uh, of been proven, hasn't it? I, a lot of stories out on that. Besides, yeah. our overlords, bankers, laundering, and make oodles of profits. Uh, I believe Castro, Catherine Austin Fitz is one who says this. Uh, the CIA, she says, this is an old story. It harks back at least to Vietnam. Check the Whiteout by Cockburn and St. Clair and The Politics of Heroin in Southeast Asia by Alfred McCoy. Really? Uh, he says, then there's the Iran-Contra affair. Dark Alliance by Gary Webb. That is a fascinating story. Really? I've read that. Okay. Ex-DEA agent Mike Levine wrote an expose called The Big White Lie, The CIA and the Cocaine Crack Epidemic. I have not read Webb or Levine, but Webb seems to have been a serious journalist, and when it comes to Levine, a lot of everything else, I would take him seriously. Mm -hmm. Uh, She says, The DEA, off and on, there have been articles that indicate that they are involved in the trade or at least go blind when convenient. Um, And... She put an article on here from, from uh, I believe it's the NC Times. I don't know it's North Carolina or what. Mm-hmm. Uh, Venezuela rejects U.S. drug report, accuses DEA, DEA of collaborating with traffickers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chavez, however, said late last year that seizures have doubled since suspending work with the DEA. Uh, the DEA in Venezuela was accused of forming a new cartel and of attempting to form an intelligence spy ring on the Venezuelan government. Mm. Um well, you know, you know, most of the Zetas were, in fact, uh, people that were trained at the School of Americas. Is that right? Yeah. The, the Zetas, too? Yeah. Is there anybody bad that was not trained? I mean, Sauron went through School of Americas, or, <laughs> you know, Darth Maul went through the School of the Americas. He was an instructor. 
he he, st- he taught the uh, the the coercive techniques interrogation okay. seminar. She uh, this article that she sent says there's also indication that narco traficantes are in bed with the Colombian government and that the DEA US coddles them both. Uh, for example, ex-functionary of the Colombian DAS, uh, their DEA equivalent, called the DAS a three-letter cartel and said that the DAS traffics ju- drugs to the U.S. through Venezuela. And it says, if you want to understand a better uh, the U.S., the rest of the America's relationship, take a look at Professor Grandin's Empire's Workshop. Alfred McCoy also wrote another very good book, A Question of Torture, CIA Interrogation from the Cold War to the War on Terror. Um, she says, hearing Tom talk about Manning reminded me of this. Mm-hmm. Official Venezuelan news service, Telesur, is a source for interesting and accurate news. Uh, they have an English-language website. And a Brazilian jur- journalist, Pepe Escobar, is extremely excitable about international events. Yeah. So, see, Maria, she's on top of stuff. Yeah. She knows She knows what's going on. So. Uh, did Did Maria email? Is she the one that emailed earlier? She's emailed several times. Yeah. Been on here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You've heard of Brother Chris. Um, I think you all have done some things together here. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Uh, he he says, uh, this is what really makes me sick. And this is from Brother Chris. He says, if you remember I shared with you that... Uh, um, let me let me hang on to this. I want you to review this real quick. Okay. I have to take a balk on that one, okay? Okay. Run or take your base. I'll take a balk. Okay. Yep. Let's let's hear from Melissa quickly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Melissa, she went back to listen to the Constance Cumby show of all things. Mm-hmm. You remember when we did that show? Yeah. Been a while. That was a that was a very insightful show she, overall. She goes back in the. Uh, um, it says totally amazing show. I made notes. Um, I'm an aspiring science or fiction author in my free time, and there was a lot in that show that I can work with plot ideas. Okay. Um, it says, by the way, recommendation for other futurists. Go back and listen to the entire available series of Joe Schimmel sermons. Uh, there's one series sometime on false prophets. He did one whole episode on Oprah, the gurus, and authors she has on her show. Yeah, boy, that's some scary stuff, uh, isn't it? It's at goodfight.org. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, anyway, um, I'm trying to think here. She says, by the way, Cup of Joe has a new piece up on some wackadoo health program Rick Warren Saddleback Church is about to launch. And that's we've talked about that here. Yeah. It's a very good piece. Wackadoo. Uh, I like that. I'm gonna have to remember that word. Yeah. Um it says I was once on a message board with a pair of folks who did Re- Reiki, I think it's called Reiki. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh because that's I guess he's involved in this Reiki stuff too, so oh, Rick Warren. She says, Oh, by the way, they were Wiccans. Uh it may have been a message board. There was some dark stuff going on there. Um so this is, I, I watched someone who professed to be a Christian become attracted to it. Um, eventually, after some other things, cut off contact with her. So mm-hmm. anyway, that's Melissa. Kyle, Kyle W., good friend of ours here. Kyle W., um, boy, this is what I'm going to hold off on because of our late hour. Because yeah. th- he hasn't, he sent me more details on his email exchange with Joseph Farah. Oh, interesting. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Gosh, that involved yeah. uh, uh, LouRockwell.com. Mm-hmm. And I, because of the late hour, I'm going to do a couple quick ones here and hang on, Brother Kyle, to your email because I want uh, I want people to hear the rest of that. So mm-hmm. just I'm going to set that to the side, and I'm going to go on to Denny in Arizona. 
Uh, let's see. we got time for a couple more here. Okay. Um, Diddy uh, says, um, let's see, David Payne is an awesome voice. Uh, he likes where we had him from that. Now, back to Future Quake. Future Quake. Yeah. An English accent adds immediate credibility and class to any presentation. Not that Future <laughs> Quake needed any. David sounds like a great man of God, and I'm glad you have him on board as an intro and party voice. Keep it up. Yep. Uh, I think I think Denny was one of the, turns out, actually, one of the few that really liked the, the short-term shows. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, he was overwhelmed by people massive said no it, votes. it yep. caused massive destruction in their life. Smash or trash. It, it was, got trashed. Yep. So anyway, but Denny, Well, you can only have one disembodied head floating around here, you know. Well, well that's true. Let's hope so. Um, okay, another little quick one here. Um, this is Sherry. Uh, oh, I, man, I'm sorry. I grabbed a couple long ones. The, Sherry sent me something, and I want to save this for the next show. This She has possession of the Apostolic Council of Prophetic Elders Prophecies for 2011. Really? And I'm sure you want to know what that is so you know what's yeah. going to happen to we you. Ought to do, we ought That'd to do a show, our prediction just, show just sort of kind of looking at the longer the longer uh, emails that we get. Do, do, well, yeah, we could have a whole show on that. Do you think we could have a show instead of like our prediction show where we just anoint each other as apostles? And then there'd be some more credibility to what we're doing. Well, I don't know if it would add more credibility. It would certainly add a lot more nuttiness. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it'd make us more official here. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think I think I'm going to hold off on this. I, okay. I, I don't think some of the ones I've got here I want to go into greater detail with. Well, well we are at a very late hour here, and uh, we're going to call it a day. But we first mm-hmm. have to call in Merv, who can tell you how to contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Doctor Future and Tom Bionic at Doctor Future at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay. We went a little extra long there. Mm-hmm. Sorry for a little distracted. I was the problem. Because of that, no, that was great. Are you kidding? Story that I that did. was that was so good. I'm sorry about that. You were like, but you know, I think with Kobe Bryant of the internet. You know, I'm compared to him so often. Yeah, mostly just in an athletic context. Yeah, um, raining three pointers, slam dunking. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah, you know, and there's it's starting to become clear to me what what they're up to. Uh, well, not that we know for sure, but we'll keep looking, won't we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you keep picking up stories, and we'll figure out, and I'll bring some stories, and our Futurians will give us some data. Yeah. I think this one, it's interesting you mentioned, I think this one was very telling as far as battle plan. Yeah. Yeah. I think it exposed. Go find out. This is your uh, your assignment, Futurians. Try to go. Well, first of all, come see us at the NRB event here in a couple of days. But then um, uh, go try to find out who some other people who are Knights of Malta. Mm-hmm. Try to find a list of them and come out. If you have any more information, background on what they're up to, we'd appreciate it. That's something mm-hmm. we need to be more familiar with. And particularly if you find any evangelical leaders who are in on it, that would be very interesting. Yeah. So we got to say goodbye. Any last words? No. Okay. Come back. We will have a um, 
uh, sort of a classic interview, future quick interview next week. Mm-hmm. But until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Later. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake.